Gentlemen, you are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungamak. I'm the founder and curator of the the Gird Up Podcast. Today's episode of the Gird Up Podcast is sponsored by Pastor Mike Novotny and his new book, Three Words That Will Change Your Life, The Secret to Experiencing the Joy of God's Presence. Pastor Mike Novotny is a co-pastor at The Core. He is the lead speaker for the Media Ministry Time of Grace, and he serves as the chairman of Conquerors Through Christ. You've also heard him on this podcast several times. Now, those three words that will change your life, God is here. That tiny little sentence can change everything. Truly understanding God's presence is the key to more happiness, less boredom, more rest, less rush, more love, less drama, more peace, and less fear. A deeply satisfying life doesn't require a sabbatical, a new career, or a New Year's resolution. As long as God is glorious enough and near enough, you can cast aside the cheap substitutes that you settled for and enjoy the life that is truly life here and now. This book will help you shake off the guilt and shame of sin and see yourself as God sees you. Find the joy he has been waiting to give you as you discover how three little words can revolutionize your relationship with God. I read this one over Christmas break. Um, It just came out officially. Uh, The book dropped on um, January 7th. It's an excellent read. Um, It really did kind of change my perspective on a few things. It's one of those books where um, as you read it, you realize there's nothing in there that you haven't heard before, but you're hearing it in a way that you've never quite heard it before. Um, And uh, Pastor Novotny does a great job of um, kind of combining humor uh, with hard-hitting gospel truth and some law, too, as well. So uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. The man loves his breakfast sausages. <laughs> um, there's all kinds of good stuff in there. He's a master of the footnote as well. Um, just really great stuff, really great stuff. Uh, I would go get it, and I would read it if I were you. Um, I greatly enjoyed it, and I can't thank him enough for giving me a copy of it. Um, if you want to hear your ministry or your product or your company advertised on the Gird Up podcast, Feel free to get in touch with me and let me know, and we can help more Christian men uh, build lives of service to their Heavenly Father and to the Kingdom of God. Um, Again, that book is called Three Words That Will Change Your Life. You can buy it on Amazon. Go check it out today. Let's get started with the show. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. All right, fellas, we've been studying men of the Bible. First we studied Gideon, and now we are studying Samson, uh, both from the book of Judges. The story of Samson is covered in the book of Judges, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and oh, just that, chapters 13 through 16. Um, the, the story of Samson is a very interesting story because we only pretty much hear negative things about Samson uh, during his life. Although he did serve for about 20 years as the judge of Israel, and he did some incredible things, he did some great things, and he was an excellent leader of Israel during his time as leader, um, but we are given in Scripture a lot of warnings um, from his life and from his experience as well. Um, and in fact, many of the stories about Samson have a pretty negative tilt to them, but we're going to study Samson, we're going to learn what we can from him, glean the wisdom and knowledge, and try not to make some of the mistakes that Samson made. So today, um, we're going to read from Judges chapter... 
14, and this is going to be selected verses. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now go get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at that time they were ruling over Israel. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother, and as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion approached or came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power, so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Sometime later, when he went back to marry the woman, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. In it was a swarm of bees and some honey, which he scooped out with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it, but he did not tell them where the honey had come from and that it was from the lion's carcass. Now his father went down to see the woman, and Samson made a feast there, as was customary for bridegrooms. When he appeared, he was given thirty companions. Let me tell you a riddle, Samson said to them. If you can give me an answer within the seven days of the feast, I will give you thirty linen garments and thirty sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me thirty linen garments and thirty sets of clothes. Tell us your riddle, they said. Let's hear it. He replied, Out of the eater, something sweet, out of the strong, something out of the eater, something to eat, out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, they could not give the answer. And on the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to rob us? Then Samson's wife threw herself on him, sobbing, You hate me! You don't really love me! You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer! I haven't even explained it to my own father or mother, he replied. So why should I explain it to you? She cried the whole seven days of the feast. So on the seventh day, he finally told her because she continued to press him, and she in turn explained the riddle to her people. Before the sun set on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? And Samson said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not have solved my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, and stripped them of their belongings and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he went up to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to the friend who had attended him at his wedding. Years later, Samson goes to Gaza, where he spends the night with a prostitute. He went to spend the night with her, and the people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, At dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night, and then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them up to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength, and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh thongs that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. 
Then the rulers of the Philistines brought seven fresh thongs that had not been dried, and she tied them, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called them, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the thongs as easily as a piece of string snaps when it is close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. And of course, he continues to tell her lies. Finally, she said to him, How can you say I love you when you don't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me, and I haven't, and you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him until day after day, until he was tired to death of her nagging. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been born a Nazarite, set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she went and sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep with her hand on her lap, she called a man to shave his head and to shave the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his great strength left him. Now, like I said, Samson's story isn't always a particularly happy story um, because Samson was not always a particularly wise man. Samson loved women, but he loved sex even more. Samson is involved with at least three different women in the three chapters dedicated to his life, and it's probably safe to assume that there were several, if not many more. Even while the Spirit is moving in him to do great things for the sake of his people, Samson is consumed with lust and desire, a flaw which will eventually prove to be his downfall. Samson had a habit of claiming provocative women as his own. He selected his first wife before he even met her. He saw her, saw how hot she was, and then told his dad he'd marry her even without meeting her. When he does meet her, he decides he likes her and marries her despite his parents' protest and the Lord's caution not to marry heathens. It's not long before his brash decision comes back to bite him. In Samson's day, wedding celebrations lasted seven days, and his wife cried each of the seven days, nagging him to tell her the answer to a riddle that he'd bet on with her brothers and cousins, a riddle even his own father couldn't answer. And normally, she wouldn't even care about such things, but because the Philistine men threaten her, she does what they want, and instead of telling her new husband, the Philistine killer, what's going on, or ask for his help and protection, she tricks him, she abandons him, and she shacked up with his best friend all in the first week that they were married. But Samson didn't learn his lesson. Later on, we hear of a, a woman named Delilah, a Philistine woman that Samson loves and sleep with, sleeps with and trusts, but never marries. Delilah also makes a deal with the enemy. She agrees to trick him, ruin him, and turn him over to be humiliated and tortured and eventually killed. She tries to fool him three different times, but he still doesn't leave her. He doesn't stop seeing her or even stop trusting her. Eventually, he does tell her the source of his strength. And she betrays him, ending his reign as judge in Israel and effectively killing him. Why? Proverbs says, A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping, and a disgraceful wife is like decay in a man's bones. Samson chose women who loved themselves. They were vain and proud, and they had no concern for his own welfare, much less respect and fear for his God. A wife of normal character may be her husband's crown, but Samson did not care about that. Samson wanted a hot body and a warm bed, and often the most seductive and manipulative women are one and the same. These seductive and manipulative women will draw you in with their charm, excitement, and a promise of pleasure only to turn cold, calloused, and vindictive in the end. Be careful who you pursue, gentlemen. 
Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, there's a whole lot of Proverbs in there for good reason. (laughs) A wise man chooses his wife wisely. We got to reflect on that. What do you think you should look for in the women that you pursue? Or what do you look for in the women you pursue? What's important? What are some of the things that are important? And what are some of the things that are less important? Obviously, I think the first thing that jumps out right away is uh, the idea of looks and how important looks and attraction are, um, how beautiful your standard should be for the women that you date. And uh, I'm not going to make a clear judgment call or statement of of value here. It's definitely more important to some men than others. Um, But I will say we can't just dismiss the idea that you need to be attracted to your wife. if, uh, if you're not attracted to your wife, it's not saying that it's not going to work or that it, that it can't happen. Um, there are many good men out there um, who, can, who can make that work. But I know for me, personally, um, that is something that is important. I need to be attracted to her. That's not to say she needs to be a supermodel. I'm not pretending that. Um, but it is, it is an important thing for me because, uh, particularly for men, right, we're, we're visually centered. Um, but that's a different conversation for a different time. The, the point is, that's not the most important thing, not even close. It <laughs> goes way down the list um, of, of important things. The most important things are the intangibles, right? Does she love the Lord? Um, is she going to be faithful to you? Is she going to be a good mother? Is she going to be a good and faithful companion and friend? All of those are far more important than beauty that fades, right? So, I want you to consider what it is that uh, you find or that you look for. What do you find attractive in women? Um, How do you determine which women you choose to pursue and which women you do not choose to pursue? Um, If it's just the hot factor or the crazy versus hot factor, that's it's it's wrong, man. It's not the way to do it. Um, If you're the kind of guy that just pursues any girl that's interested in you, um, part of your problem might be that your standards are too low. So um, think about that, reflect on that, and, and really seriously consider um, what you're looking for and uh, what you're pursuing um, and why you're looking for those things and pursuing those things. Second thing we got to think about is how does a young man judge the character of a girl he's courting? Um, so what are some signals of godliness and what are some warning signs? What are some red flags, right? I heard, uh, um, uh, dude, who's the, uh, who's the guy with the mustache? Steve, uh, who's the guy with the mustache? The black guy with the mustache. Steve Harvey. Okay, I heard Steve Harvey the other the other day say, um, uh, "Don't let yourself be a red flag collector. Um, don't don't collect red flags." So the idea being, you only need one red flag, right? You don't need a bucket full of red flags before you say, "Yeah, this probably didn't right." One red flag um, oftentimes is enough. One right right red flag oftentimes ought to be. Um, enough and that there's always an exception to the rule Uh, but oftentimes one red flag can be enough so don't be a red flag collector what are some of the things that signify that signal that she's not going to drive you closer to your heavenly father she's not going to draw you closer to him Um, what are some things that might signal um, that she is going to be a wife of noble character that she is going to be that proverbs 31 woman um, that you guys are going to have a christ-centered marriage and a christ-centered life together so i want you to think about that what exactly are you looking for for me 
I want to be able to have conversations about Scripture. I want to know what she's, uh, what she's reading, and I want to know that she's in the Word and that she's pondering things, she's thinking about it, that she's spiritually minded, right? And that's not to say I'm gonna, you know, be on her every day and say, "You read your Bible today," and blah 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 blah. After two weeks of dating, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna try and control her, um, but we are gonna have conversations, and I'm gonna talk about what I'm reading because that's what I do, um, and I'm gonna also expect that that she brings something to the table as well. Um, I'm also not against dating girls who don't. Uh, share the depth of faith um, that we do as as men. I think you have to be careful there. You don't want to jump into a commitment uh, with someone who who doesn't share. Uh, you don't want to be unequally yoked. But I also don't see anything wrong with um, what is it, flirt and convert or evangelism by relationship, right? Uh, if there's a young woman who's open to exploring the things of God with you, who's open to listening to you and, and learning and diving into Scripture, go ahead and start a relationship with her. Uh, but understand uh, that there are some prerequisites for marriage, right? And you want, you want to make sure that you're not unequally yoked to somebody. Um, so those aren't necessarily um, you know, shut down, don't do it, don't go there signs. Uh, but those are things you got, you're probably going to move a lot slower with a girl who doesn't love the Lord the way you do. Um, what I'm looking for personally is a girl that's just on fire for Jesus um, and who wants to join me in my pursuit of him and wants me to join her in her pursuit of him as well. That's what I'm looking for. Um, that's what I'm hoping I'll find. Well, it's what I know I'll find. And I'm not going to settle for anything less than that, right? Um, so that's a big thing to consider. How does a young man judge the character of a girl he's courting? What are some things, signals of godliness? What are some red flags that you can, that you can look for? Finally, um, <laughs> I want you to think, how might Samson's life have been different if he had chosen a woman of God? At this point, we know the story of Samson, right? So the question is, how would Samson's life have been different if he had chosen a woman of God instead of a bunch of Philistine whores, right? If he had chosen a woman of God, how would his life be different? Judge for yourself. I want you to think about that. Um, and I want then I want you to also judge uh, how will your life be different if you choose a woman of God versus if you choose um, a woman of the world. And uh, that can be a condemning conversation to have with yourself. Um, and it can also be tough, especially as, as men who are often visually uh, centered, right? Like we, you know, we, ah, man, I, I feel like I'm, making this uh, judgment statement that Christian girls aren't beautiful. That's not true at all. I just, a lot of times dudes settle for girls um, who make them happy in the moment, but who aren't going to be good for them long term. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And so consider what's going to be good for a lifetime, not just what's going to make you happy right now. Um, so the three things we're reflecting on this week, uh, what do you look for in the woman that you pursue? What's more important and what's less, less important? Like what's on the top of the list, what's lower on the list? Two, how does a young man judge a girl of character that he's courting? So what are some signs of godliness and what are some signs of not godliness? What are some red flags you want to avoid? Um, what are some signals that she's a woman of God? And three, how might Samson's life have been different if he chose a woman of God? And what can we learn then from Samson's example? Ponder those things this week, gentlemen. Make sure you're pursuing women of God, choosing your women carefully. Let's pray. Lord, you created man and woman for each other as a picture of the love you have for us and for the church. We pray for discretion in our relationships, that we may find women after your heart who will walk with us in paths of righteousness. Forgive us for the lust and adultery which plague us and lead us to see the women in our lives as your children, sisters in Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.